0: Hello and welcome back to How to PhD, episode number 15. In this episode, we're going to be talking about how to read an academic paper. Hello, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for tuning in again and welcome to those new listeners. And for those new listeners, my name is Dr. Aaron ola research fellow at Coventry University. And I'm joined as ever on this show by my co-host Julia.
1: Yeah, I'm Julia and I'm a research fellow at Warwick um, Medical School.
0: That's right. And in this episode, uh, actually we've had to move Away from our regular recording setup uh, because it's absolutely sweltering. So hot today. Heat. Yeah. Which, uh, funnily, I think you know for our international listeners, perhaps twenty six <laughs> degrees is not so much. It
1: was more. For, it was more than twenty six. Yeah. I had my maybe feet, like in an ice bucket a whole day. <laughs> yeah,
0: but those listeners internationally might think twenty seven is not so much, but here in the UK, that that is sweltering weather. Um, so we're here in a different location, so you might hear some noises which are not normally in the recording like birds and and the dishwasher I think is going as well Uh, but here we are again with a slightly later episode this week and we're talking about how to read an academic paper aren't we
1: yeah and that can be quite tricky sometimes I definitely feel that I've become much quicker over the years like getting the information that I need quickly for my paper. Um, But yeah, I just recently had a friend to ask me, who just started university actually, and um, was asking like, how do you you read a paper? Um, And yeah, how do you find the right literature and the right information? So hopefully we can give you some tips today.
0: Yeah, I think this is one of the things in my doctorate that I think I, I really didn't enjoy was just when you first have to get a paper and you're trying to work out how to get the information you need from it, how to understand uh, what the paper's about quickly. I think often the language used is quite different to other bits of text. So Mm -hmm. we thought, yeah, as you said, Julia, like having these tools and and kind of a lot of the experiences that we learned that help you understand a paper more quickly and and get to its point um, is really, really useful to share. So in this episode, we're gonna cover sort of two key aspects. We're gonna talk about, first off, thinking about why are you reading the paper, and this could be very important for how you approach the whole reading process, and then some tools that will help you, some, some practical tools that will help you organize and understand your literature. Uh, so let's get going with part one, which is around what's the focus of reading your paper. So one of the most useful places to start when you're trying to read a paper is to first understand why you're reading it in the first place, like what is the key bit of information that you're looking to get out of it, right? And we've sort of identified four key areas that that we think cover most of the reasons why you would be reading an academic paper. Um, And this first point that we're going to talk about is really that you're reading it to learn a new method.
1: Yeah, so for example, um, now in my research fellow position, um, I had to conduct um, a realist review and I'd never done that before. I had no idea like, um, yeah, how the method really works. So what I started then doing is to look for methods papers or um, pure papers that look at um, what a realist method is really and that can be kind quite time consuming i think methods papers are quite time consuming because sometimes they're written in a way that's sometimes a bit more difficult um, to understand there's a lot of jargon in there so what Mm. i do then sometimes if i feel oh i don't really get like Practically what they're saying is that I then try to find papers that have applied the method. And these are papers that are not relevant for my topic area. Um, So I try to find just different um, papers and try to identify those that explain the method in a most practically applicable way. Mm. So um, I jump straight away to the method section really to ignore the rest. So introduction results. I'm not interested in that. So I just jump jump, um, straight in there. And another thing I think when you want to learn a new method, is, which is really helpful, is to look at reporting guidelines. Again, for example, with the realist review, there are some guidelines for peer reviewers, so actually for the people who will then read and assess whether the a realist review is of good quality. And by looking at these kind of guidelines, you will understand what you will have to do in order to produce like high quality research. So you're looking at from the from the back, basically of someone who's judging the paper but it so, can be really helpful but too
0: will there be so this i don't know about will there be reporting guidelines for any method or is it only um, for that particular
1: no i think there are quite a few so for like for example for um, interview studies but also for a lot of different quantitative mm, okay. studies they are like some kind of um checklists or reporting guidelines what they're called um so yeah by looking these up and you can google um, yeah looking guideline or statements for for example for systematic research it's a prisma statement by looking at them you will understand what do you have to do
0: Mm. yeah i mean i think this is uh, i think the key takeaway point here is that if you know that you're just there to learn a new method then just don't be afraid to just skip straight to the method Mm, section you know you don't need to read the whole paper you can be a bit more efficient about your time and certainly Mm -hmm. i did this a lot when i was planning the different eye tracking studies I hadn't done for the first time, uh, the public engagement event, the interview study, I just skip straight to the methods, just pick out the key points. Um, and so that's a really, so yeah, really useful thing uh, to know is just you don't have to read the whole thing from cover to cover, be selective about what you read. Um, but on that, the second reason why you might be looking uh, at a paper is perhaps to back up a point, And I think this is probably the most common reason Mm -hmm. um is that you've said something right you're trying to make a point and you want to back it up with a with a reference yeah often
1: you already know uh, that it's right (laughs) or that that the sentence um that you're writing you don't need um you, you know it or I, can't, I don't know how to describe it, but it's the knowledge that you have and then you just find a paper. And what I always do is that I search in Google Scholar, for example, for most recent papers. So from last year, because if you want a backup point, you have to ensure, of course, that the point that you're making is still valid to date mm, right so you yeah. don't, don't so don't waste your time by looking at quite old papers yeah it's usually a yeah.
0: very simple thing that i do is just whatever search engine you're using whether it's google scholar or one of the more specific databases just set a filter for papers from 2018 2019 mm. or whatever the year is you're listening to the show on i don't want to date this show mm-hmm. um but yeah, if just by doing that, you straight away filter to the top because you've got to remember when you first search, especially on Google Scholar, when you first search for a particular term, it's gonna give you the most relevant results in terms of popularity. And But some of these papers, which were the most cited, most popular, maybe five, 10 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just by, and, and you might not actually ever see the newest uh, papers when you just initially search straight into Google without any filters. So use mm-hmm. those filters to, point, to yeah. bring those recent papers to the top.
1: And I think um, if you're just trying to back up a point, often in abstract, reading the abstract, or if the information that you need is in- included in the abstract, you can stop reading there. You have found your reference. Um, so you can just like, then download the paper, put in your reference manager and cite it from there. Um, sometimes I think, especially for making a point or backing up a point, a lot of times um, the information is actually in the introduction, right? In the background sections or in the results. So you won't have to look really at the methods section and in that in that point. And, um, and yeah, again, be selective. So if I don't find the information that I need quite quickly, then I just move on to another another study um, to try and identify the information because there will be like if it's more like a general knowledge point that you backing up and there will be more resources. So. Don't spend too much time. Yeah,
0: and there may be certain keywords that you're searching for. So again, really simple tools like once you open up the paper in Mendeley or whatever reference manager you're using or if you're just looking at the PDF, uh, control F or command F Mm. and, and just look for certain keywords and just snap to those particular points. Again, don't, you don't have to, even if you're just looking at the introduction, unless you're super interested in the whole thing, often what I do is just look for the key paragraphs. Um, and if I realize, oh, it needs a bit more context, then read the whole thing. And mm. it, That's gonna make your whole paper reading experience very different to how you typically read, say, you know, a storybook or something. It's, it's a very different process. Um, so I think that's, that's one of the most common reasons why you might be looking for a paper. The other thing might be to keep up to date about your topic area, right? To keep uh, informed about the latest findings.
1: And I think a lot of people have been asking like, um, how long or like how much time do you spend on the, in a week, for example, reading research to keep updated about the topic area. How do you do that and how much time to spend on that? And what I usually do is um, that so I set alerts and for example, the reference manager on databases for like topics that I'm interested in. And um, when I get alerts, then that there has been a new paper that is relevant for for my area. Um, I usually just read the abstract And then if it seems really um, important, this paper, then I download it and save it in my reference manager as unread or put it in a folder where it means I still have to read this one so that I'm still updated about basically what, what the paper found um, so I, in the abstract. Even sometimes I just jump to where they talk about the results and discussion. Um, and then I know, okay, whenever I'm writing another literature review or I need more detail, then I can go back to that paper. But I feel that keeps me in the loop of what's happening without spending too much time mm. um, on new publications. Yeah,
0: the, you can do the same thing in Google Scholar as well. Um, you can set uh, notifications for particular authors or particular topics. Um, and what I do is if again if there are papers that I know are the sort of cutting edge but you know, as you say, Julia, you need to like perhaps come to it a little bit later on when you've got time to read it. Mm-hmm. Um, you can also use tags in Mendeley or tags in Windows and on, and on the Mac as well, just to just to have a sort of continuously updating folder with the most latest stuff that, that you need to read. Mm-hmm. Um, and just keeping that organized, I think is the key thing. Um, but yeah, a lot of focus on the abstract with those kinds of things, um, as I've often done as well. Um, and I guess then perhaps, This could be the second most common reason. Actually, it would have been interesting to poll the listeners (laughs) on this and and see what's the main reason for reading a paper. Um, But it might be also, you might be at the early days of your PhD, right? And this is quite a relevant thing, is that you're trying to find a gap in the literature because you're trying to identify what's missing, where can your research fit in? Mm -hmm. Um, And this is, uh, yeah, I guess for early PhD uh, candidates who are just starting there that, that whole process this could be one of the most crucial things that they're starting to read papers for us to find that gap
1: true yeah but also for example for a um, funding application that i'm doing right now so which it's a slightly new topic. Um, um, again, I needed to find the gap basically in the literature and I think that was really difficult you know, when I started my PhD. Um, but I think what I've learned now is um, that a good starting point for reading is um, to search for literature reviews or systematic reviews and again pick the most recent ones because if you want to be up to date and find a current gap then that definitely makes sense I think to filter for that and so there again you won't probably be super interested in in how the the method of the systematic review in the first place if you're just trying to get an overview so you can jump basically to the results and discussion section and most importantly there will be something in the discussion about recommendations for future um, future research and and what's also very valuable about um um, systematic reviews or literature reviews is the reference list right, right. because that can lead you to yeah. um, more relevant papers and um, so skip over them as well when you when you read through and try to find what the key papers are
0: yeah this is this is such a useful technique that also applies not just to literature reviews but for generally all papers in general is, is don't be afraid to look at what they're referencing and then use that as the springboard to then find this chain Mm. of papers that's going to explain your topic this is so so useful um and really this probably finding references that were in other papers um was probably the biggest driving force in my literature research uh literature search when i was when i was doing the doctorate um because you know almost the work is done for you in bringing Mm. a lot of that together
1: Yeah, and yeah, if there's no literature review or systematic review in your area, then that might already be your research gap. So that can be another tip. But I think yeah, we've talked a lot about like um, what to focus on basically for uh, why you are searching a paper, and that will change the focus but i think what we want to do now is also give you some more practical tips really about reading and digesting basically the information that you get right
0: that's right so in this next section we're going to talk about a few of these tools that you can use to help support this whole process So let's talk about some tools that are going to help you read and organize your thoughts when you're reading these academic papers. Um, So one of the most, I guess, old school techniques is literally to print the paper and and highlight it, right? if Whatever the focus is of of why you're reading that paper, whether it's to keep up to date or to find Mm -hmm. a gap, you you highlight the sections that are relevant uh, and you do it physically on paper. Now, interestingly, there's there's some research that I saw recently that that there's, there is definitely a growing body of evidence that suggests that actually reading on physical paper has has a sort of it creates a deeper connection in the brain, and and you're able to understand the meaning better than mm-hmm. if you're reading off a screen. Um, but of course, there are. I guess, green consequences to printing out loads yeah. and loads.
1: Yeah, and you really have to yeah make sure everything's organized and you will accumulate so many papers over time. So I think, I, I yeah, I agree. Um, I do like having stuff printed out and um, going through that. And I think I really can remember in which line or on which page something was when I ha- was mm. actually holding it in my hands. But I think, yeah, as you said, through the COVID pandemic, I've definitely reduced my printing a lot because we're at home. Home and we don't have access and to you we for the paper <laughs> that as well <laughs> um but i think yeah why it's good or you can print like really the key key papers but i think there are other techniques that you could use electronically to like keep a really good overview and um, what i started doing sometimes is using Vivo, and um so which is a software and hopefully you can check at your university whether you have free access to that um
0: yeah so it's not free software it's it's definitely paid for but, but for it, us for it, the university, sometimes through sometimes, the university yeah. they offer it um it, it's a it's a qualitative or it's typically used mm. in qualitative research, but it can be used for other contexts. As, exactly. As so saying.
1: it's used so you can upload PDFs there. So you could upload all of your um, research papers there and then basically code sex, sections from it. So, um, for example, highlight, OK, this bit um, I will... Need, I will need that for my literature review when I write my paper. Well, this bit is really important for me for the methods. So you can, yeah, code um, it line by line, and then um, you can open, for example, everything that you have highlighted regarding methods, and then it will give you from all different research papers everything relevant of the me- about the methods, and it will. Um, help you to get a good overview of all the papers that you have because I think that's sometimes the problem that you have like thousands of papers and you can't remember where stuff that you read came from yeah that's yeah. that's
0: true um, the same can be said for things like uh, EndNote and Mendeley if you make notes on the paper in Mendeley you can search those notes and that's later. free so um, Mendeley is free, right? free so you can yeah. Um, that might be a different way. And and you may be able to yeah you can achieve similar things with tags in those programs mm. as well. But I think Envivo probably has uh, it feels a has bit more, more robust yeah. yeah when it comes to yeah. that. But um, but yeah, it's it's a good uh, yeah. definitely an important thing to to highlight and and begin to organize these sections that are Mm. relevant to you
1: then another thing and this is probably because i'm have done a lot of systematic reviews now (laughs) and um, so what i tend to do sometimes to keep an overview when i'm reading about a new topic area is um, to do a small data extraction sheet so a table basically where i have a column for title author year the topic, um, the key findings, the method used. So I'm kind of, while I'm reading my paper, I'm filling out my little table. um, And you can, of course, like, um, change the column names to whatever you are interested in but it really helps me to focus my reading um, so I think that has been quite,
0: quite useful. I think this is really good because often I find that you know as we mentioned when you're uh, reading a paper and then you look at their reference and then you get to that paper and then you look at it's their reference. It's so
1: distracting or you and yeah you end hole. up on this like
0: <laughs> frog hopping yeah. journey through the academic literature right and uh, you can often lose what was the original paper that you even started this journey on? So actually, mm. as you say, if you create this table, which I think, yeah, we should we should put a copy of it in the show notes, mm-hmm. um, have this table with some really basic information and you can just summarize it as you go along now i did an informal version of this in my sort of scrappy notebook i just used to scribble down loads of different things i'm too Um, chaotic for that but if you yeah (laughs) if you use this table table. (laughs) if you use this table you can have that uh, much more organized so that's yeah as you said this kind of small data extraction process is so Mm. useful for reading papers
1: and then another technique that i sometimes use is a read and write cycle basically so where i write down focus questions at the start so why again going back to the focusing um bit like so why am i reading the paper so i'm that i could write some for example what is known about the topic what methods have been used to explore the topic and what is unknown or needs more research so and then while i'm reading i'm already starting to write um um, like a section under these kind of questions and i download the references straight away so that i yeah don't lose the reference or later forget like where it came from and and i think yeah it's also good like as a rule of thumb after at least like five to maximum of ten papers so i think really after five to stop and really think what have you been reading and at least take some notes. But as I said, I like to straight away write or use a data extraction sheet um, to keep organized to avoid yeah, the confusion at the end that you can be so frustrating if you know you have read loads, but you can't remember where it came from or who said it in which context
0: <laughs> yeah i mean that's happened so yeah. many times to me in the doctorate that i knew i read something
1: you can't find I just it anymore i cannot
0: remember yeah who or and and mendley is not showing it in the search results mm. it's, it is a really a nightmare it's so frustrating um so hopefully some of these tools are useful uh, we have some useful resources as well that we're going to Give to the listeners, and Julia, you've got one which is essentially summarising what we're saying, but in a bit more detail.
1: Yeah, I think it re- it really gives you even more instructions on like how to actually read like bit by bit each section. So the paper is um, called "Unsurprisingly How to Read a Paper," and I think there's even a book about it. Um, so we're gonna put the link for that onto the um, show notes, so you can have a look. But it's a, quite a famous one, I think. A lot of people said they liked that, and um, it was helpful. For
0: them yeah and we want to give a shout out also to this website called connected papers now this was something admittedly i didn't use in the phd because i didn't know about it yeah um, I, I didn't I had know no about that clue. until you told me yeah about that. and That's um, pretty cool. it was really the the wonderful academic community on instagram uh, and some of the great posts from the people on there that kind of made that made made this uh made this clear to me um, and this is a fantastic service and what you can essentially do is search for a paper on connected papers. Um, You can type in the title or type in a topic um, and then it will use whatever server magic is doing to essentially build a kind of mind map of all the different papers connected to that paper thematically. Mm, And this is- It looks really nice. If you're a visual
1: person, especially, I think.
0: Yeah. That can really help. And you can click into this mind map and you can, essentially, you know, what we were saying the manual version which is Mm. what we were doing which was looking at the references of a paper and then following it along this is doing that all for you in an automated Mm. fashion and then presenting it in a really visual way so it's super super useful i've just started started using it now um so i can't claim to be an expert on on using it but do check it out connected papers it's completely free um and it's a really cool piece of software so for anyone who's starting out in their literature journey uh, trying to find papers. You know, that's a super, uh, super cool tool to use. Um, yeah,
1: just as a final tip as well, I know that um, some people um, who found it quite difficult first to read papers and, um, or felt they're quite slow at doing it, um, some of them like joined a journal club um, where you basically come together with other people to discuss um, a certain paper um, and I think the more you do it right the more you read papers um, the more the, or the quicker you will get and, and getting right information and other people can support you in that as well so a journal club might be the thing for you as well yeah to I, to,
0: and, and there was one when I was doing uh, my doctorate and I, I, yeah I have to be honest it really it helped because I realized that other people were having the same kinds of troubles understanding mm. the methods and the same kinds of questions that I had, they also had. So mm. it, in, in many ways, it helps you practically, but also just sort of helps relax you to know mm. that, you know, a lot of the challenges of reading these kinds of papers, uh, everyone else has as yeah. well
1: and you could also set yourself a little challenge or like um set a timer for like five minutes or 10 minutes and then see how much information you can get out, out of one paper and um yeah think about like what you really want to get out of the paper before you start reading and and see how it goes
0: that's it so Hopefully that was a useful episode about how to read papers. Again, you know, it's really all about trying to first work out why are you reading the paper in the first place? What's your, what's your goal? Uh, is it to back up a point that you made, which is often one of the most common reasons? Is it to find a gap in the literature if you're earlier on in your PhD? Is it to keep up to date about your topic area or to learn a new method? If you know why, and and having that clear in your head right at the start, you can then aim for the most relevant sections, which we talked about uh, at the start of the show. And of course, a whole range of tools for you to read a paper. Uh, but the essential takeaway from all of this is, be organized about how you're reading your paper. You know, be sure to highlight, be sure to save things in vivo or Mendeley or whatever software you're using. Use tools like small data extraction to not get lost when you're frog hopping through the academic uh, universe. Uh, and, and be sure to read and write and do this iteratively. And the whole point of this is that you don't lose um track of a paper where you read something uh, and then you know a year later down the line you're trying to find it and then you can't find it which is the most incredibly frustrating things Um, and we're going to put this uh, how to read a paper resource also on the show notes at howtophd.show and do check out these tools like connected papers and if your university offers it go to a journal club and and find other people in the same boat as you if that's available so hopefully that's been a useful episode and uh, I think that's everything we need to say
1: yeah, I think I'm going to need a water now again. It's so hot. It's, it's really <laughs> We warm made today. it through. Yeah. <laughs> I feel my head is not fully functioning today. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So thank you so much for listening to another episode of How to PhD. As ever, if you know of someone who you think could benefit from this episode, then please do share it with them. Uh, And of course, if you enjoy listening to How to PhD and you'd like to support us, you can do that by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or by visiting our website at howtophd.com. Dot show and leaving a small donation through Buy Me A Coffee. And as we say every week, thank you so much to everyone who's donated and, and supported the show. It's really so incredible. Um, and of course, we always love to hear from you. So do get in touch at our email, which is contact at howtophd.show and our Twitter and Instagram pages at how to PhD show. And as always, for the last couple of weeks, thanks to jobs.ac.uk for their continued support on social media. Um, greatly appreciate them sharing our show and, and getting the word out to other PhD candidates, um, and, and master's candidates, and, and other university students, of course. Uh, so, next week, Julia, this is an interesting topic that we're going to cover, right?
1: yeah so basically gonna talk about how to critically appraise um, research and research papers and um, so how can you tell basically whether research is good or bad quality and that might be interesting for those um, who are peer reviewing for example and um, um, so kind of for journals being contacted to assess like whether something should be published or not but also generally i think that's one of the key jobs for any researcher right to be able to critically appraise the the literature
0: yeah it's one of those essential things so really good episode can't actually wait i can't wait to start recording (laughs) that one because lots of things that we're still learning today about trying to identify good from bad research so thank you again for listening and we'll see you all next time